Christ and we follow in his footsteps, these things are going to be second nature to us. There's the things that are going to happen. Things are going to, uh, we're going to confront things in our path as we're doing our daily life. We're going to run into situations in our life. We're going to run into people that want us to pray for them. We're going to run into situations where somebody wants to disrupt what we're doing. Because the devil isn't happy that you're a Christian. If you don't know that, I'm here to tell you. He isn't happy. It's like driving on the Autobahn at 140 miles an hour. Everybody's going, zip, 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 and you change direction. That's what happens when you get saved. And sometimes we spend so much time dodging cars, and we dodge things to keep from getting hit, when Jesus says, hey, you stand there, and you change the situation. That's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us running from anything. He doesn't want the, the devil or the world to be able to change our direction. God's called us to a certain way and a certain thing in our life, and it's up to us to follow Christ and do what he's asked us to do. And if something comes up, if somebody would comes along in our path that's sick, pray for them. And we do have some more oil up here. If you didn't get a chance to get some oil, we still have some up here if you would like some. So if that situation presents itself, then you can pray for the sick. But see, we're so afraid of doing things for Christ because we think that we're doing it in our own power. And we aren't. If I'm doing it in my power, you're in trouble. You're in deep, 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 deep trouble if you think I can do anything in my power because I can't. Without God, I'm nothing. Without God, I might as well sit down and say nothing and keep my mouth shut because I can't do anything without Christ. And that's Val's, one of Val's favorite verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do anything without Christ because I have no strength. And that's God's will for our life. And when we do things in his name and through his strength, then we don't wear ourselves out. We won't get burnt out over trying to do good things because Christ is our strength. He's the one that's going to do it through us. But we have to let him. And we don't have to be worried about what's behind us. We just have to look and be focused on what's ahead of us. And that's what these holy scriptures are about. And this week we're going to be talking about they will speak with new tongues. Now I know this is, this is where we kind of separate ourselves as Pentecostals from the rest of the denominations or a lot of the denominations because of this verse, because of this particular issue. But we know that this is in the Bible. I don't know why people want to throw out stuff that's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, hey, it must be important or God wouldn't have put it there. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the, and the verses that are in there for, were for them, then the same verses are there for me today. God didn't say, hey, this is just for this person and not this person. What kind of a God would that be if he promised something over here and didn't promise it over here? So we need to realize that everything in this Bible it's been preserved throughout history because God wants us to know what's in there. And he wants us to accept it just the way they did. Now, this was kind of an interesting uh, time frame for the disciples. And this is where we're going to deal with Acts, the first chapter. Now, we're all familiar with these verses that I'll be talking about a little bit. Because, hey, you probably heard them a lot. I taught a little bit about it on, the, the day, on Pentecost Sunday. But Acts 1, 4 and 5 says, Once he was eating with them, and he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Now there's a lot thing right there. Sometimes we have a promise from God, and we're so busy running around, when God tells us, hey, wait till you get the promise. If I promised it, don't go running around trying to do it yourself. Don't go running around trying to get somebody else to give it to you. Wait for me to give it to you. And he says, I told you before, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
In verse 8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now these disciples, when Jesus was talking about this, they didn't have a clue what he was talking about. We understand what, the, what he was talking about because we're living on the other side of Pentecost. But they were before Pentecost, so they didn't understand it. What in the world is he talking about? I'm, we're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? What in the world does that mean? They did understand, though, the baptism because of John. They understood that. And that's why God, or Jesus, related it to the baptism the way that John baptized. Because how did baptize? John baptize? He dunked people in water. <laughs> So they understood that. So they, they didn't know what it was. They didn't know how it was going to uh, be expressed in their lives, but they wanted it. Whatever it was, they wanted it because along with it came power. Who doesn't want power? I want power. And God promised us powers, not only to the disciples then, but to me. He promised me power. He promised you power. But we see, we have to wait for that power. So and then when we get it, we're going to be able to be witnesses. It's hard to be a witness about something when you're weak. It's hard when you're afraid of everything and someone looks at you cross-eyed and you're running down the street the way Peter did before Pentecost. Peter ran. He's scared off by a little girl in a fire. I am like to think I'm a little bolder than that <laughs> to let a little girl in a fire run me off. But that's the way they were before. Of course, I might be singing a different tune if they just come and hauled off somebody from where I was at. I might look at it differently, too, and a bunch of soldiers come knock down my door and take somebody out. might think differently about that, too. But anyway, Peter, before Pentecost, there was something. I mean, he wasn't really strong. He was very, uh, he was always wanting to do things without thinking. He just automatically blurted things out. He had no control over what he said, basically. But after Pentecost, all of a sudden, something changed in their life and in the lives of the disciples. And it was this power that Jesus had promised them. And he told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power. Endued means to kind of just press down and forced into every pore of our body. And he used the example of baptism. So he says, I want you to be submerged in the Spirit. Now that sounds interesting. But see, and just like baptism in the Holy Spirit is just like baptism in water. There's some things that you have to do to be baptized in water. Number one, you have to be a believer. You have to have asked Christ to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. That's the first thing you have to do. You can't be baptized or you shouldn't be baptized if you aren't born again. And then after you've been born again, you've been commanded to be baptized in water. Well, okay. Then you have to ask to be baptized. You have to ask. Hey, Pastor, would you baptize me in water? I've accepted Christ as my Savior. Maybe you haven't been baptized in water. You need to be baptized in water because God commanded it in his word to do it. For no other reason, that should end the subject. That should end it right there. So you have to ask somebody to baptize you. And then you have to prepare, to be, prepare yourself to be baptized. How do you prepare? Well, you have to wear a different kind of clothes. You don't want to wear your, your best suit to church if you're going to get dunked in water. You want to make sure you take your shoes off before you get baptized, unless you want to get them wet. So there's some preparation that you have to do. You might want to bring a towel. We try to furnish towels, but it's, you know, because I have to prepare if you're going to get baptized. So we try to do those kind of things. So you have to prepare to be baptized. And then you have to be able to trust me that I'm not going to hurt you, that I'm not going to drown you, that I'm going to put you down, but I'm going to bring you back up. <laughs> I haven't lost anybody yet. <laughs> Don't plan on it. 
So you have to put a little bit of confidence in me. And then you have to be willing to get wet. Can you imagine anybody wanting to be baptized and not be willing to get wet? That's crazy. We need to know that we're going to get wet. And so then you get into the tank because it doesn't matter all these things until you get into the tank. So you get into the tank and then you have to put your confidence in me. And then I guarantee when you get baptized, you're going to get wet all over. There's not going to be any place on you that doesn't get wet. I'll see to it. I may get drowned in the process. <laughs> and I did one time throwing water trying to get somebody to make sure they got wet all over. But that's the kind of the same way that Jesus related the baptism of the Holy Spirit to this experience because they knew what that meant. So baptism of the Holy Spirit, so you have to be a believer. You can't be, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit unless you're a believer because the Holy Spirit only dwells and fills clean vessels. So we have to do that. You have to, have to be, have a clean vessel. You have to be a believer. Then you have to ask to be baptized. You don't ask me because I'm not the baptizer. I'm the one that baptizes in water according to God's word. But God's the one that baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. So he's the one you've got to ask to be baptized. And you have to take the necessary steps and you have to prepare yourself. You have to, before you, when you come to God because you want to be filled, you say, God, cleanse me, fill, get rid of anything in my life so that he, you have a clean vessel. Then you ask God. And then you have to trust God not to hurt you. There's so many people that, are, that have seen, so heard so many horror stories about people. Or they watch TVN and they see all these things about like that. And we say, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to jump around. I don't want to dance around. I don't want to do that. Well, hey, you can't put restrictions on God. You can't do it. I've told people and I believe it with all my heart. If God wants to paint me blue, strip me naked, hang me in a tree, he can do it. <laughs> But I have a confidence to know that he's not going to hurt me. And I have to come. When I come and I ask God to fill me with his Holy Spirit, I have to know that God isn't going to hurt me. And if I, have to, if I fall down, I fall down. I've seen people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't fall down. I've seen people run. I've seen people, you name it, I've seen it. So we can't give these prerequisites to God on, on how he's going to fill us. We can't because it's up to him. And sometimes we have to get, be willing to get rid of all these external things in our life if we want to be filled. And if we give restrictions, then I guarantee until you're willing to be a runner. <laughs> if you're afraid of runners, say, God, don't make me a runner. I guarantee if you become a runner, you won't care. <laughs> I've never seen anybody run that could care less what it is because they just couldn't control themselves. They couldn't control what was going on in their mind, in their hearts. If you're not necessarily an emotional person, maybe you won't be an emotional person. I have no idea. That's between you and God. But you have to be willing to let God do whatever he wants to do to fill you. Sometimes he has to knock off all that stuff and all that external stuff because if we're ashamed to be able to worship God, how are we going to witness for him? God's got to knock, knock all that stuff out of our lives in order to fill us sometimes. So we have to be willing. I'm not saying he's going to or he will, but he might. I've told you the story. I've been knocked down once in my whole life. And it scared the daylights out of me when the guy come heading my way, praying for everybody, people falling all over the place. And I'm out, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm saying, oh, God, I don't want that happen to me. Don't let that happen to me. I'm afraid, Lord, but if you want to, I'm, you can. But I'm, I'm locking my knees. I'm locking my arms. I'm not locking everything there is. So there's no doubt that guy's pushing me over. Because sometimes we look at these things going on, and they say, be healed. Wham! 
Be healed, boom. Be healed, boom. <laughs> that ain't the way it works. That isn't the way it works. So when that guy come close to me, and I'm not kidding you, you can sense the presence of God really heavy in that service. And he comes my way, and I'm, man, I'm, I'm preparing for a car wreck, <laughs> you know. I'm saying, oh, God, oh, God, if it's you, okay, but if it's not, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm, again, he touched me, and boom, I almost killed myself. <laughs> you ever been, whatever, and I had everything locked, and I'm not kidding you, for about a week or two weeks, I couldn't hardly move because I felt like I'd, I'd been exercising for the first time in 40 years, you know, and you're walking around, oh, God, oh, it's real, it's real. I know it's real. <laughs> So I had to have that question answered in my life. I was willing, but I wanted to make sure it wasn't no man going to push me over. And I remember one time I, over when we was in Colorado, pastor asked me to go up and pray for somebody <coughs> to receive the Holy Spirit. <coughs> and I went, and I thought, okay, I'll go pray for him. And I've, you know, I've prayed with people before, no big deal. So I thought, okay, I'll just go pray for him. And I started praying, and I just went like this and touched him. With my hand, I'm a kid. They went, boom, uh, whoa. (laughs) Scared the daylights out of me. Because that's never happened to me before. Like, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I know it's real. And I know that if God wants to do something, he's going to do it. But we have to be willing because God won't force anything on you. And if we want God to, to fill us, we have to be filled on his terms. And if it means turning me into a runner, hey, if God turns me into a runner, praise the Lord, because these knees and hips I got, they're not in the best shape sometimes. Get those artificial joints in there working. If he wants to make, turn me into a runner, hey, I'll run. If he wants me to dance, I'll dance. I don't care. I don't care what it is, because I want the presence of God in my life. And if you've ever been filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm talking about. You th- everybody thinks, oh, it's so hard to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, I've been praying and I've been trying for so long and so long. And, but then after you get filled, you go, man, that was easy. That was so easy. Why in the world do we have to complicate stuff so much? See, the problem that we have in, the, in this 21st century is that we have all these theologies about things. And we say, well, man, you've got to do this. You, and you go like this. And then you get people up there, and they'll say, well, this is what you've got to say. And they'll tell you, just say this. Just say this, Jason. They'll say, just hold on. Then someone over here saying, let go. Hold on. Let go. <laughs> because it's confusing. Because we have all this theology that we have. But the reality is in the, when the Bible was written in the times of Acts, nobody had any theology about it because they didn't have a clue. And that's what we need to do is go back to the time we don't have a clue on how God's going to move. And let God do whatever he wants. Let God be God and let us just be there to enjoy his presence. Because that's what it is. It's just emptying ourselves out of everything that's in our life so God can fill us up. That's all we have to do. It's really, really simple. But we complicate it as Christians and we complicate it throughout a lot of things. So all we have to ask for it. <clears throat> then we have to be able to give God complete control over our body. We have to be willing to let him baptize us. And when he baptizes us, we're going to be baptized all over. Not just one part, not, not just give me this corner of my mind over here, God. It's all of it. Because just the same way that we're submerged in water to be baptized, God wants to submerge us in his Holy Spirit. And once you've done that, hey, everything else is easier because you become, get a power. It isn't so much just people think, hey, this tongue stuff, you know, I'll have everything but the tongues. Well, the tongues is the only the evidence of what has happened in your life. 
That's all it is. It's not something, see, we, we miss it a lot because people are saying, oh, Lord, let me be speaking tongues. Well, hey, that isn't in the Bible. That's not there. It's not in the Bible. The filling is seek the power, speak, seek the filling of God, and that's just something that happens because of it. Now, if I had a jar up here, and I kept pouring water in this jar, and you could see the water fill up, okay, I'm getting filled. The jar's being filled. And at the point that that water starts running over the jar, that's when tongues happens in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not anything, whatever, but until you're completely full and it's running over, that's what it is. Now, I know when we get saved, we get, have the Spirit come into our lives. Well, because when Jesus came back and he spoke to the disciples, he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And we do, when we can become a Christian, we have Christ's Spirit indwelling in us. And our lives are changed. But it, that isn't what it all, all, that isn't all of it. Because God told, Jesus after that, told him to wait till you be endued with power. Well, it wouldn't make any sense if they got it when they got saved, would it? Wouldn't make any sense. So it's two different experiences. The one is just changes you, and the other one fills you to overflowing and endues you with power. That's what it is. It's an endowment of power. Now, the disciples didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't care. They were just focused on what it was going to do for their life. It was going to take them and make them strong and powerful in God. And that's, don't we all want to be strong and powerful in God? All day, when you're walking in the Spirit, you're strong and you're powerful in God. <clears throat> James 3, 2 through 4 says, for, we know we, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes, us a, makes a huge ship turn around wherever the pilot chooses to go, even through the winds are strong. The reason that God chose the tongue to be the uh, sign of being filled was because if he can control our tongues, he can control everything. Because our tongues are powerful things. They can tear people down or they can build them up. Because they're powerful. Now, if I get up in the morning and I think about all the bad things that are going to happen, oh, what kind of disaster is going to happen to me today? I wonder what bad things are going to happen to me today. I voiced with my tongue a prophecy for the day, haven't I? <laughs> so we're going to have a bad day because we've already got our mindset to it. We've already decided that we're, that's the kind of day we're going to have. And then we come home, we're exhausted, we're beat, we're just trashed because, why? Because we started it. Wrong. We started it with something we shouldn't be saying. But on the other hand, if we use those tongues and say, Good morning, Jesus. Hallelujah. What a great day this is going to be. I'm going to walk in your spirit today. I'm going to walk in your power today. And I can hardly wait to see what's in store for me today and how I'm going to be able to be a testimony for you today. If we start the day out like that, the day's going to go better, I guarantee it. Or at least it'll, it won't affect you as bad as if the other way. And then when you come home, you're not going to be as tired. Because you allowed the one little thing in our life that tears people down to build ourselves up. To build ourselves or prophesy over your day to have a good day. And it's just as easy to have a good day as a bad day because it's all about your attitude, right? If you have a good attitude, you can make it through a lot of dark times. It's all about the attitude. And the attitude that we have in our heart is what people notice. If we have the same kind of problems the world has, and people come and say, what in the world is different about you? How come you're not upset about this? Why aren't you pulling out your hair? Why aren't you doing these things? Well, what's the difference? Jesus is the difference. 
Jesus is the only difference. And they're going to want that because, especially in the society we live in today, I'll tell you, if you read the news and you listen to everything that's going on, you're going to pull your hair out because it's enough to make, uh, I don't know what, just very depressing. Makes all of one of us, you know, almost make, makes a, a, anybody want to go drink or take drugs because, hey, we got to escape this somehow. But Jesus gave us the way to escape all this. He gave us the peace that we need to deal with this stuff, and it's not a big deal. Because Christians, we're all on drugs, the drug of the Holy Spirit. And I like that drug because that kind of high doesn't give you a hangover, and it doesn't destroy your life. It builds your life up, and it builds up your neighbor's life. And you start seeing things differently. You start looking at the things that are good in people's life instead of always the things that are bad. That's God's will for our life to be able to build up. And that's why it's important that we change our um, thinking. 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, this is Paul speaking. He thought it was very important. He thought it was a natural thing that happened after people got saved. It became not a natural thing once the denominations and once uh, religion got into the works. Because there's a lot of people that don't even know what's in this Bible. You go over some of these places, they're saved and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't know what it's called. But hey, they've already got it. Why? Because they're getting it this way, not this way. This way sometimes deteriorates our life when we start looking at what people tell us it should be. We need to look to God and say, God, what is this word telling me? <clears throat> Acts 2, 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Spirit and then spoke in tongues. They didn't speak in tongues and filled with the Spirit. See, we want to get the cart before the horse. And you can't. You've got to be filled with the Spirit, but otherwise it's not going to happen. It's a reality of it. When you can't hand any, hang, hold any more of God, you're going to be able to speak in tongues. Not because you're, you're trying to, but you can't help it. It's like gravity. You drop something, it's going to hit the ground. There ain't nothing I can do about it unless I reach down real hard and grab it. But I'm not that fast. <laughs> and that's the same thing that, that God had. You seek your spirit. Seek this power that I'm going to give you. And this is a sign to the non-believers that something different happened to you. Because it's going to be a new tongue. It's not going to be something that's, that's been uh, deteriorated by man. It's a way that we can talk to God and let the spirit pray through us. Because sometimes I don't know how to pray. Sometimes I don't even know how to praise. And all, all our English language, even though it is very expressive, we can't express a lot of things to God. But God can through his spirit because he knows the way to pray. <clears throat> now, we have a tendency to think that this is kind of a, that there's a couple verses in here. I'm going to talk about it for a few minutes. Oh, man, I'm way out of time. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.10 says, To another the working of miracles. This is talking about the gifts that he's given. To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, there is a gift of tongues that's different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The gift of tongues is like we're here in a praise service and we're praising God. And all of a sudden, someone starts speaking in tongues. We've had that here a few times. And uh, what basically is happening there is God has a, a message or something for the church, for the body of Christ. Generally, that's what it means. And so when someone does that, that's saying, hey, attention, attention, here, here, I got a message for you. Only they don't know what they're saying. They just know that God wants them to say it. And then someone else that may have a gift of interpretation, they don't understand the language, but God has given them the interpretation words for what was just said. That's what the gift, uh, the gift of tongues is. 
Everyone doesn't have the gift. Everyone in a, in a group like this isn't going to have the gift of tongues to be able to uh, have God speak through them in a service. And then someone else isn't going to, everyone isn't going to have the gift of interpretation. It's kind of like when Val interprets in Navajo. Some people that are here that listen to the English that's being spoken, they don't understand English. But they know that, that because, I'm, you know, because it's going to be interpreted, they know that in just a few minutes or a few uh, seconds or whatever it might be, that Val's going to interpret it for them. So they're going to be able to understand what was just said. So they aren't sitting there twiddling their thumbs and being bored with what's going on. They're waiting and anticipating the message that's going to be for them. And that's what this kind of gift is talking about. It's a message the, the person that's speaking it doesn't understand, and the person, the only difference is the person that's interpreting it don't understand it either. But they're, they're interpreting what God has for us in that service. <clears throat> now, this gift isn't something that, uh, that is the gift of the Spirit. Everybody can feel, be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but everybody won't have this gift. Any more than this, everyone won't have the gift of prophecy or the gift of whatever it was, to see, discerning of spirits, interpretation of tongues. All these are working in miracles. Every single one of us aren't going to have those gifts. But every one of us can be filled with the Holy Spirit because every one of us needs the power of God to live our daily lives. Oh, skip that. Okay. 1 John 4, 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have come from God. Now, this is something that sometimes we may get messed up in because we know somebody and uh, they may interpret in tongues or they may speak in tongues. But if what they say doesn't line up with the word of God, we're to ignore the message. Period. Because everything that God speaks to us has to line up with his word. I don't care what it is. And that's the test. And it isn't just me that has to test this. It's everyone that's here. But unfortunately, in order to do that, we have to read his word. Because if we don't read his word, then we won't know what they're saying. And that's the reason that so many people get caught up in cults and false doctrine. is because they know somebody and they think, oh, that person would lead me astray. That person, you know, they're a godly person. They do all these kind of good works and things. So surely what they're saying is true. Now, they may not even know what they're saying isn't true. Sometimes when people get involved in cults, it's because they were deceived. And that deception that, they've under, that they're under, they want to spread around. <laughs> but we have to understand that everything has to line up with God's word. And this is our insurance policy against false doctrine. This is the insurance policy. God gave us an insurance policy against false doctrine. And it's here. It's in his word. And this is the policy that we have to, be, to protect ourselves. So we have to know that if those kind of things happen... That we have to, it has to line up with God's word. First <clears throat> uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty two says, "Tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not." It's a sign to the unbeliever, not to the believer. And it doesn't just say a sign. Says, "Hey, I got it! I got it! I got it! All right, I got it made now." It's something that once we accept Christ into our life and we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's something that isn't one-time experience. It's something that God wants us to be filled and be continually filled and keep on being filled. But we have to have that initial thing, that initial time when we know what it's like to completely give our lives and turn our whole lives over to God. 
from every part of our little lives that we have at that instant. And then we get familiar with that, and then it helps us and it gives us power. And that's where God works. He works out of a position of power. Well, the power comes from the Spirit. And I want the power in my life, but I know you want the power in your life because it makes it so much easier to serve God. You'll be amazed how much easier it is to be a Christian when you're endued with power. When you're walking in his power, hey, it's a lot easier to live for Christ. <clears throat> Acts 17, 11, and it says, The people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message. And then they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. This was old Paul himself that they were checking out. <laughs> they didn't even believe Paul. So, hey, if you want to hear you know, something that I say, go home and check it out. Just because I say it, hey, go check it out. Because that's what God wants you to do. And hopefully something I say every week on a given week will want you to want more about God and to be able to understand more about God. So go home and check it out because that's what God wants us to do. And an interesting thing, you know, I've thought about why God chose this way as far as why tongues. Why did he choose this? Why couldn't he have done something else? I don't know, you know, he says, have you ever wondered that? Why this particular sign? Well, if you look back in Genesis, the 11th chapter, verses 5 through 9, I'll just read this, and you're going to be familiar with the scriptures, so you'll know. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower of the people were building. He said, look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. In Genesis, he scattered the people by changing their language. In Acts, the second chapter, he united the people with the language. So what he did over here, I think that's why God told tongues. Because it unites believers. And it, God meant it for every believer. Every believer, God says, hey, it's for you. It's a gift. It's a gift for you. I want to do you with power. I want to do this for you. Because Jesus said it's important. It's imperative that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then the comforter will not come. And the comforter in that word, the word that's used there is called paraclete. And that same word... It's kind of the same word if you call your wife or your husband a paraclete. It's the same thing. Somebody that comes alongside to help you. Your helpmate. Someone to help you and strengthen you. That's what it means. And God said, it's so important that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit to you. It's imperative to you. You will never be able to survive in this wicked world without this comforter in your life. Salvation's great, and a lot of people do fine being saved. But look how much better that they would be able to do if they had the power, had more power. More love, more power, more of Jesus in your life. And when Jesus and the Holy Spirit come into your life and they fill you in that capacity, it burns out a lot of things in our lives. All of a sudden, we have more of a desire to read God's Word. We have more of a desire to pray. If we don't want to pray, it's kind of hard to pray because we find all kinds of excuses not to do it. But when we have the Holy Spirit in our life and he infuses us with that power, man, I remember when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, man, I, I had to go home. Randy wasn't saved at the time. 
and I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, trying to function and I've still got this overflowing happening in my life and I'm going through, every time I'm hitting the doorway and I'd go over here and I'd just pray, speak in tongues and pray. I had to get this release out of me because it was just bubbling out over in, inside me. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants us to bubble out of overflow our lives. And then it's easier to love those people that you don't love. That person at work that I'm not kidding you, if it, you don't care what happens to them because, man, they just, oh, God, you know, you're praying David's prayer sometimes. Kill them, God, kill them. You know, some of those people. <laughs> they just make your life so miserable. This will make you love that person. <laughs> and then when you love someone, then you can pray for that person and you can intercede for that person and ask and say, God, save them. Because that's the only way they're going to get saved. It's, it's by watching our lives. And the Holy Spirit will make us a witness. Because that's what it's about. He says, I will make you witnesses. I won't tell you to go out and go out on every street corner and elevate yourself and just get on your soapbox and start telling everybody what they're doing wrong. That isn't what that verse says. He says, I will make you a witness. Now, a witness, what does a witness do? They testify, but they only testify for what's asked of them. You go into a court, you don't just get to the, the option of saying whatever you want. They ask you questions and you answer them. That's what a witness is. Well, God is going to infuse you with power so much that people are going to ask you questions. And then you don't need to worry about the answers because God will give you the answers. God will anoint you with the answers. So you don't have to worry about it. He says, don't prepare what you're going to say. Of course, it is nice if we prepare our testimony so we know what's in our testimony so we can share it. And don't get freaked out and say, how did you get saved? Because it catches you off guard. So it's nice to be able to at least know those other facts. But there's one aspect of this verse. They will speak in new tongues or a different language. Was my life before I became a Christian, my language was not the kind of language that would be welcome in this congregation this morning. I could curse like a sailor. I had one of the foulest mouths that, uh, that you would ever want to meet. Very few words, very few words I could say unless one of them was a cuss word. But see, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, my language changed. All of a sudden, God cleaned up my mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of my heart, where all that anger and all that sin and all that things in my life had previously been, now there was life blowing through me. So God said, hey, that language is not going to be good. So I'm changing your language. I'm changing your talk. I'm changing the things about you. And that's another sign that follows believers. My language changed. I tell you, it didn't take people very long to know there's something different about me. Because all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> all those words were gone. God cleaned up my mouth. So they knew there was something different about me. What happened to you? And then you tell them, what happened to me was, I met Jesus, I got saved. I'll tell you, he cleaned me up. That's what it's about. So God changed my language. If your language hasn't changed, if your ideas haven't changed, then you need to come in and get to the altars and pray until they are changed. Because that's a sign that follows believers. Your language should change. And everyone should seek to be filled and endued with power. But your language, the way that it was, versus the way that you are, that should change. And if it hasn't, you need to ask God to clean your mouth up. Wash your mouth out with soap. 
Let me speak your words. Let me speak your ways. Let me speak your truths. And that's a sign that follows believers. And believers, or unbelievers, when they come, and they'll see this sign of your language differences. They'll see the difference of the power in your life and the lack of not fear in this environment where fear is everywhere. And they'll say, what is it about you? What's different? Then they've asked the question, and then you get the opportunity to share Christ with them. You get the opportunity to tell them everything that's happened in your life. See, the difference between my life now and then it was then is that as you become a Christian, your life, your friends change. Have you noticed that? We had a lot of friends. We had a lot of drinking buddies. We had a lot of partying friends. We had a lot of things that we used to do. And all of a sudden, they just kind of filtered off. And where are they? They just they didn't want to be around us anymore because, hey, we weren't fun no more, according to them. But we had a new kind of fun. We only had one set of friends that followed us in salvation. One set of friends. And they've been our friends for, what, 35 years? 30, 31 years or something? And they got saved. So it's nice that we got at least one set of friends that we had that followed them, and they're going to be in heaven with us. And I'm thankful for that. So when I look back on my life, I can see that my life has made a difference in some people's life, that God let the signs follow this believer. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord, and we thank you for everyone that is here this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for the signs that follow believers. And I pray, Lord, for everyone in this audience, Lord, that their signs will follow them wherever they go. And the signs will be signs to unbelievers that they may come to the believers, these your people, Lord, and be able to share your word to them. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to know, maybe you don't have a lot of things going on in your life, but you want to. You want to be endued with power. You want whatever this is that Paul was talking about and that Peter was talking about and on the day of Pentecost. And you haven't experienced this. But you want to. Is that you this morning? Let me see your hand if it is. Okay. The gift is for everyone. To those that are near and those that are far off. God included us in the scriptures when he talked about it. Those that are near, the disciples, those that are far off, that's us. So if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can. It's simple. You just have to be willing. You have to ask. And with an upraised hand, you're saying, God, I want to be filled. I want to be there. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe your language hasn't changed as much as you probably want it to. To your friends or to your neighbors. Maybe your language needs to be cleaned up. And you say, God, I want you to clean up my language. I want you to clean up my language to my neighbors so they'll know that something's different about me. Is that you this morning? Let me see your hand if it is. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know God at all. And all this stuff you say, you know, it sounds pretty interesting, but I haven't accepted Christ as my Savior. But I want to this morning. Is that you? If that's you, raise your hand this morning. Because you can't have any of the other stuff that, that's in this Bible until you're saved. Because the promises in this Bible are for the believers. There are some things if you go by God's word, he obeys his promises. But most of the promises that are to believers only have to be a believer to get. Is there anyone here this morning to say, I'm not saved, but I want to be this morning? Let me see your hand. Okay. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord.